Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Growing Up Still, a podcast where I share my life experiences and fun stories. In today's episode, I want to talk about the road I took to choosing my major. Choosing a major is not easy, and it is often daunting thinking about what you want to do for the rest of your life. So to help me out, I have my friend Sam joining me on this episode. We will talk about how we came to our decisions and that it's okay to not know what you want to do. So let's get into it. All right. Hey, Sam. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Pretty good. I'm doing good, too. Just chilling at home. Yeah, same. Um, Wishing I was at stores. Oh, yeah. Uh, so... Do you want to give your like a little background to listeners of like your current major, if you have a minor, what type of profession you're looking into going? Sure. So I am currently a history major. Uh, I am looking to go uh, this year, um, actually at the end of this semester, looking to apply to the education school. So I'm a history major, uh, trying to major in, uh, if we're going for a bachelor's in history and then trying to get a master's in education, uh, specifically high school education. Uh, I am considering a poli-sci minor, uh, especially with all the things that are going on recently. I feel like there's a lot of crossover with history and poli-sci, so it'll be relatively smooth transition to get that. But that's kind of where I am right now. I'm a history major, wants to be a high school teacher, uh, thinking about shifting towards a little bit of poli-sci. All right, cool. So... I'm just going to give a little bit about me. I'm a genetics major, part of the allied health program, and I have a psychology minor. My goal is to become a genetic counselor, um, but I also don't know much about the genetics field, so if another job interests me, I'll be going into there, but keeping my horizons open for profession, but genetics and psych minor. So let's, let's get into, you know, how we're going to build up on how we chose our major and how we got here where we are today. So let's start off as a child. You know, what was your first dream job when you were a kid? So my first dream job was to be an astronaut. I feel like a lot of people, that's like their first dream job. (laughs) That's that's a basic Uh, one. Yeah, I wanted to be an astronaut. And then um, I stumbled upon the Challenger video, which I think also a lot of people do. And me as an eight-year-old sees, you know, goes up and then... (sighs) And all of a sudden, I no longer wanted to be an astronaut. So uh, as, as morbid as that is, that's kind of the first step that I took in, in leaving the science field. But then after that, I was like, oh, I can still do stuff from the ground and decided I wanted to be an astrophysicist. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And then I took physics and realized that was a bad idea. <laughs> I feel like everybody takes physics and is like, nope, not, not for yeah. me. No um, as a kid, I remember specifically kindergarten, I wanted to be in the day, like daytime doctor, nighttime ballerina. I don't know how I thought that was going to work, but full-time ballerina and doctor, and that was my dream job. I'm sure if you could get, like, if you could get a shift, if you get a shift that's only the daytime, you could, you know... Oh yeah, but then I realized that like ballet school and doctor like school was both full time um, and would not have actually happened. Uh, But I went through, I went through a lot. I was not into science as a child at all. So it's shocking that I'm a science major now, but I wanted to be like an author, 
an artist until my parents were like, you can't, like my dream was like, oh, I'm just going to make paintings on walls and I'll make money off of it. And then my parents were like, that's, that's not how you make money actually. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, but like not at all the science. And I think what's funny was that I think in middle school and like freshman year of high school, I actually wanted to be a history teacher myself. And then, so, when did it change? Because obviously, you know, mine was taking physics was my kind of switch over from science to history. When did you go from history to science? Um, I realized that, so again, history teacher, right? And then I realized that that was, I did not want to be a teacher. I just didn't want to deal with kids, like, especially high schoolers. I was like, I don't like anybody in my school. To be a teacher, it just seems so rough because, like, you obviously have your good students, but then you have, like, the constant ones you have to deal with. And I'm like, do, do I really want to deal with hormonal teenagers? Like, I could barely handle myself. <laughs> like, do I really want to? Um, but what makes you want to be a teacher? So, I definitely have had that thought a lot. I've definitely been like, you know, do I really want to, like, do... Because, like, my high school experience was definitely... And I feel like most people will say this. Like, my high school experience was definitely a roller coaster. A lot of a lot of big highs, a lot of big lows, and I'm thinking, you know, do I really want to go into this? And I, I did an internship at the end of my senior year where I taught in a uh, a middle school, and everyone was telling me, "Oh, you're gonna hate them, little buggers. They're just gonna like, you know, they're gonna ruin your life." <laughs> and they didn't. Like they were, you know, they're they're, you know, first of all, obviously, eleven year olds are not fifteen year olds, mm-hmm. but. I went in with the, you know, positive experience. I went in with, with positive uh, mindset. I said, you know, I'm just going to hope, hope for the best that they like me because I feel like 11-year-olds can really be, like, oh, yeah. a jury where okay. they either hate you or they like you. And <laughs> I, I got lucky. I, you know, I worked with them well and that, that worked well. But I still, high school is where I want to be because I feel like specifically with the field of history, as great as it would be to try to teach kids history at, at that age at 11, uh, you really can't, you can't do history without sugarcoating it to 11 year olds, uh, in the way history is taught in the U S right now, because <laughs> we have a large base yeah. of parents that would come after me with pitchforks. If I, <laughs> I didn't tell them a bunch of truths that the kids are too young to learn so yeah I feel like in high school you could definitely get more type of debate situations where people will be more open to take one side or the other um exactly yeah I mean all my life I've had teachers who were like you'd make a great teacher like you should you should become a teacher and I'd be like I like I love kids like I uh, do a tennis camp and I volunteer at that and I'm a coach there so I help little kids learn how to play tennis and like I love teaching them, but in the end, I was like that. I don't really want to have a job of this, <laughs> um, no matter how many times. Because my all my teachers would be like, "You'd be you'd be a great teacher. You should think about it." And I was like, "No, not for me." <laughs> um, but I mean, hey, you will get summer breaks and you know spring breaks, <laughs> something to look forward to. So, how often throughout your life did you change your mind on what you want to do? Or were you, like, one and done? So, I definitely had the astronaut thing. And, and then I, I kind of 
for for most of my for most of my education throughout because I, I really only decided on being a history teacher in my senior year for most of it it was just I want to do something in the in the lab something based on like cosmology or astrophysics astrophysics or something uh, but I was always like a huge history buff on the side and I would rant about it so it was really just the one change where I was like okay I really think this is cool I really like space. Mm-hmm. But, but I can't do it as a job. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, you can always just learn about the stars on the side. Exactly. Yeah, I mean... So, at, uh, how many times did you change? Uh, a, a lot. A lot, a lot. I, from being like, from going to the arts to the science. So a lot of my younger self was about being an author, a writer, a poet. I used to write terrible poems as a child. Um, they're hidden somewhere in a journal that I don't want to open, but I was really into thinking that- We have an episode of this. <laughs> an episode of this podcast where you read poems. Oh, God. <laughs> All my poems were based off of books, in a sense. Like, I'd read a book, and then I'd write a poem about it. I, I couldn't- My poems were terrible, but maybe if I find enough, sure. <laughs> um, Yeah, but I was really into art- art I thought I was a great artist and I'm also not a great artist and then I think around I would say high school started like other than the history teacher I wanted to be a physical therapist um I wanted to be like and then I realized biology was more my thing but then in biology class we learned about genetics and that's when I knew that was sophomore year we learned about genetics but I didn't fully commit to that idea until I would say my junior year and that's when I like knew that was it Uh, I just really love like genetic diseases and it's like a mystery like wanting to be solved your DNA like you don't know like personally your own DNA like you could have so many mutations and like the thought of like half of these rare genetic diseases like we don't even know the causes for we don't know how to you know cure them and like that's what I was really interested in and what I really wanted to do and being a genetic counselor is as close as I can get without... I realized that being in the lab also wasn't my strong suit because I'm terrible at chemistry. So <laughs> chemistry is not a strong suit, so I probably wouldn't want to be in the lab. But genetic counseling adds like that person, personable thing where I get to talk to people. And so the fact that I loved teaching ki- little kids, it kind of plays into that where I get to kind of teach these people about their diseases and how to like what type of um cures or like if there is any what their life is going to look like just like the thought of helping these people like go through their disease and like help them like in a way survive it and like change their lifestyle to help them like it's just something that I'm really interested in that's Um, great yeah yeah. I feel like that's definitely it definitely seems like a like a niche category of jobs that like we definitely need more people in yeah it's a booming um every time I'm like oh I want to become a genetic counselor all these teachers like oh that's great like it's a booming industry like new more and more people are going into it like we need more people going into it and I'm like that's cool so hopefully hopefully (laughs) if you know the economy is great and all I can get a job (laughs) after college but um you know so we'll see but um did you have any curveball, mate? Like even for like a split second, like a like something that's totally out there that you were like, maybe I should think about this as a major. I 
think the only thing that I have is like is is poli sci, where like I, I've consider I've considered a few times like you know maybe maybe being a history teacher isn't for me. Maybe I just want to like go into like public policy or something. Mm-hmm. But like I don't know. I think I think for the for the time being, I definitely want to have my finger on the pulse with political stuff because I think it's important and I think I I want to make a difference uh, in the time that I have. So, but I also think that teaching is a great way to make a difference. And I also, my, my freshman year English teacher put it perfectly when she said uh, she gets to be a stand-up comedian for an hour and a half every class and her audience is not allowed to leave. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, so, so yeah, so basically the ability to rant about history and try to find some, you know, like-minded individuals about that also love history as much as I do is an opportunity that I can't give up. So history is kind of the, the straight shoot for me. So with that, do you, because obviously there's a lot of different types of history classes in high school, would you want to do like government and policies or like more like the European history, the historic history type situation? I I personally like both. I think I, I would definitely end up probably teaching Abush at, at some point just kind of I feel like that's like the most like remembered history class oh, in high school. yes uh I would teach APUS uh hopefully um but I would definitely want to I would definitely want to work with my school or whatever school that I end up working at uh to kind of diversify the curriculum because I feel like at my school the two big histories after like after global studies which is an excuse to kind of say that they cover everything <laughs> after global studies it's U.S. history and then AP Euro, yeah, and all the classes that are not at the AP level are just kind of modeled after that. And I definitely would want to work to represent other cultures other than European and American. Mm-hmm. That's hopefully create some courses that don't exist right now. Yeah, that's really important. I know in my high school, obviously main ones AP Gov, AP US, AP Euro, but we also had like a mythology class where we learned about like. Greek mythology, Roman mythology, and I think we also had an African Black American studies, but that was newly added around the time when I was at the end of high school, but um, I obviously don't know, because it also depends on how many people sign up for that class, that class is obviously, um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's really important to add different types of history classes, and I think more people would be interested in it if they had more choice. So, give us, like, when when did you decide, like, you said senior year, but, so what was the process of deciding history? Because you, obviously, when you apply to college, you had to put down the major. So, I, most of the schools that I applied to uh, were schools that said uh, you don't have to have a major. Like, oh. my, my absolute dream school was Princeton. Mm-hmm. And Princeton's policy is you don't need to have a major until I believe fall of sophomore year. And most most schools other than that were schools where, you know, you don't have to have a major until this point. But I kind of had in my mind, I didn't really know exactly I wanted to do history at the beginning of senior year. And I, I kind of had in mind that, you know, those were the schools for me. And then I ended up UConn, I ended up getting the, the offers from UConn. I, was, I looked at their program and at this time I decided on history. And I realized that the, the education program for me was, it worked really well with what I wanted to do. Uh, 
and then that's kind of that kind of like set it in stone for me it wasn't it was like because i think i was kind of looking for more of a, a liberal arts experience at first and then deciding later on but then when i saw my options and i was like oh this is a really good option i should just take it put down history and go because uconn obviously well they do have a program where you can be undecided i feel like they they kind of want you to come in with a major mm, or yeah. at least more than the, more than the other schools that i applied to so yeah I agree. So that's kind of how I got through. How did you? How did you decide on? Uh, like when? When did you decide on? So genetics was something I decided on about my junior year when you started writing about your college essay. That's when I kind of knew that was what I wanted to do. Then applying to UConn, I did not know that we had a genetics program. So I personally went into molecular cell bio, and because that's the closest thing to genetics, and that's in the College of Liberal Arts. And actually, literally this semester, this uh, beginning, I transferred. So I had to apply to the School of Agriculture and Natural Resources and Health. So the School of Ag. Because I learned through other people and um, older uh, kids. I think it was uh, the Husky program where like you have that one-on-one tour guide. And he was like, oh, we actually have a genetics program. And I was like, oh... Good to know. So I couldn't change schools my freshman year because I didn't have the prereqs to get in. So I had to apply this semester. And so, yeah, I'm part of the allied health program now. And I think the second semester of freshman year, I tacked on psychology as a minor because I knew I was going to need that for genetic counseling. So I actually, yeah, recently, quite recently have switched my major. So now I can actually say I'm a genetics major. Whereas before I was an MCB major, so. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people that are MCB majors. So yeah. It's a common. It's, it's a very it's also common. kind of an umbrella. Because I feel like you can do a lot with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I think one of my friends, she's literally an MCB, my close friend. And there's so many, like, bio majors or specifically MCB. Because you can do a lot with that. Like, I could have gone into genetics. I would have just had to um, master program like a really rigorous genetics whereas being part of a genetics program right now as an undergrad helps me for my master's whereas mcb would have kind of helped me but like not a lot yeah so do you um have you tacked on a minor uh not not legitimately so not not literally but i've taken now three poli sci courses so I'm going to talk to my advisor about, like, making that kind of an official thing Yeah. Uh, the next time I'm picking classes, but, uh, but yeah, so currently just a history major. Okay, and are you part of the School of Education, or do you have to apply to that? So, there, I'm not exactly sure what the other path is, but the, the main, like, primary path for the School of Education is you apply in right after sophomore fall uh, to their five-year program. And at the end of the five-year program, they give you the bachelor's and the master's at the same time. So I technically won't graduate from bachelor's UConn until my fifth year, but I also will get a master's at the same time. So it just kind of... That's nice. It's an all-at-once thing, and then I'm done. Yeah, sounds like... That sounds like a good program. It, like, saves you money, too, because... Totally. Yeah, because you're still part of UConn, and it's the same program, so you don't need to, like, reapply. Um, you just have to get in first. Yeah, you just have to. I I have no doubt that you're gonna get in. 
No doubt. You Thank you. <laughs> um so do you see yourself changing? Like I know a lot of people are like, what if I hate my major currently? So in your personal experience, do you think if you were to change your major, which obviously you're not, but if you were, do you think it would be an easy transition given UConn and its policies? I do. I think, uh, at least within CLAS, like I've just looked at the list of different majors there are, and there's so many. So College of Liberal Arts and Sciences, I feel like they just like, as long as I would fall under that umbrella, it doesn't seem like it would be that hard. I will say though, I absolutely like, I think my, my history advisor is fantastic. And I've heard that some advisors aren't the best. So oh, yeah. <laughs> the transition the transition coming out of history would probably could be good. I don't know what to expect coming into this into another major, so I'm just very happy that I'm sticking with it. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely heard like some of my friends have terrible um advisors and it's hard for them to it's just hard when you don't have an advisor that you can click with because it's hard to yeah. really like choose classes that like would fit you personally um because I know a lot of my friends struggle with that where they're like I'm like oh just talk to your advisor and they're like yeah my advisor is not helpful at all like doesn't tell me anything and I'm like that that sucks (laughs) yeah and I think a lot of the advisors like it's not even their fault like it's just that like some of these majors are huge and they have to keep track of so many kids and then like history is a relatively small major so she can just kind of you know remember everybody and take a look and see where everybody is yeah I know for MCB my advisor um I loved her she was amazing she was great she sadly left for a higher position at UConn um and I have no idea who this uh my new advisor is but I'm also in the transition of switching schools so I'll be getting another new advisor so hopefully my advisor situation settles down before we choose classes um because that would, that would suck if it doesn't. But I think UConn in general, yes. First of all, College of Liberal Arts is a gigantic school. Like, there's everything from, you know, history. And then all the bios. There's, like, neurobiology. And um, there's so much to physics. offer. Oh, yeah, physics. Um, so if you stay within your college, I know it's definitely a lot easier to change your major. Going out of college... Um, I had to uh, reapply to get into that college because it's different schools, um, which is pretty easy. I mean, I got in. It just needs like a dean's signature for the approval. So honestly, I don't think it's too hard. What would you, if there's any advice you would give to someone who was in the undecided or as we call it at UConn ACES program their freshman year, what advice would you give them? So I would say if you're in ACEs or just if you're, you know, listening to this and you don't go to UConn, if you're in any undecided program, uh, just take as many different courses as you, as you like. If you, if you feel like you're, you're getting close to something and you feel like you're, you know, it's kind of your choice, but you're not really sure, don't take, don't like put all your eggs in that one basket. Like if you're, if you're still kind of feeling doubtful, like I was with physics where I put my eggs in that basket for years. (laughs) uh like don't like just like be like you know what there's a reason in my head why i feel at least somewhat skeptical about this so like explore your options i think as long as you go to a liberal arts college which like if you're 
if you're undecided, you probably do go to the liberal arts college. Uh, like, there are so many cool classes out there. Like, I took a, I took my freshman year, I took a rocks class. It was like a geoscience, like intro to geoscience class, and it was so interesting. Now I like look at rocks all over the place, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's a different. Like, I, I can like name the kind of rock. You're I'm like, that's... oh, that's really cool. <laughs> like, like, that's, that's granite. Camera, that's... Or that's yeah. Nice and all this kind of stuff. It's it's cool. And then like you understand like we talked about climate change a lot, so I understood that a lot more. And like I would never have taken a geoscience class before coming to college. Actually, I'm taking. I I love this class. I mostly chose the class purely because of the title, um, but it's called the Black Death. <laughs> it's literally a class all about the plague, and mm-hmm. it's super interesting. I mean, we're learning. Yeah everything from like the weird medical procedures they did to um all the religions and honestly i really didn't i really did not learn a lot about the plague in middle school it was just like rats did it that's all you need to know fleas and rats that's all and we got in here and she was like actually if you didn't know in new mexico and arizona the fleas are in um prairie dogs the same fleas that have the plague. So they're still plague alive to this day and age, which I personally did not know. And you can still get the plague. Obviously, we now have a cure for it. But if you're ever in Arizona or New Mexico, um, if you see a pile of dead prairie dogs, do not go near it because that means there's plague. So now I... That's a, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely one of the weirder facts I've learned, but it's, even when you have decided to major, there's still so many options of electives you get to take, so I feel like if you choose a major, definitely with your electives, try to go outside of your major, like, I'm not staying within science, I'm going out to history, I took a women's gender class, that was super amazing, I love that class too. Um, but you get to learn new things, broaden like your knowledge and your view of the world. And at the same time, if you do decide like, hey, I actually do like history more than I'd like my current major, you can make that switch after taking like classes. Because yeah. like I definitely after my first psych class, I was like, OK, I definitely got to add psychology as a minor. Like that was definitely like psych yeah, I took Psych 1100, and then I luckily got a great teacher. I feel like the teacher kind of makes or breaks your experience. Whereas, like, I had an amazing teacher, which is why I decided to take psychology as a minor, versus I know so many of my friends had a not-so-great psych teacher, and I was like, would I have taken psych as a minor if I had a worse teacher? And I was like, maybe I wouldn't have. So I I feel like a teacher definitely makes or breaks your experience. Um, have you had any experience where like a teacher's either like really made you like oh I love this versus oh I hate this? Yeah. So circling back to say my professor wasn't the best, but he also like he taught us really well. Uh, I'm not gonna take that away from him. He taught really well. He lectured well, but he wasn't the best when it came to communication, and he kind of like. It was definitely like a very good divide with the kids and him. It really felt like he couldn't really, no one ever interrupted him. No one asked any questions. Uh, and I feel like because of that, like a lot of us kind of felt disconnected from the class. Uh, but on the flip side, going back to 
the geoscience class, uh, our professor totally like made the class, like he made it so interesting and just very animated. It was great. Yeah, I I think it's important for teachers to like connect with the students. Um, because I know my biology teacher really made it a point to like when she called on us to be like what's your name so I can like call you by your name and she surprisingly if like the student was consistent in raising their hand she would remember their names and I think that's that's really amazing of her to do because she's trying to make that connection of like you know like I might be a professor but you can still come to me for help like I'm still gonna like try to get to know you one-on-one Whereas now that we're online, I feel like that's so much harder for teachers to do. And, um, you know, it's so hard for them to connect because some of them do like, I don't know about you, but I don't, I have a very even half and half or half of my classes are Zoom and live and the other is like asynchronous and videos. Um, but what are your classes like? Yeah, I have, uh, I think it's basically half and half. Uh, one of them is one of them is kind of weird because it is it's synchronous and live, but I'm teaching it because I'm doing I'm uh, running a freshman year experience class. Oh, that's great! So being on the other being on the other side of that is interesting because uh, you definitely do have the struggle of like having getting to reach the kids yeah. in a different way. Uh, but um, I don't have any in person classes, obviously, because obviously we're both at home. Yes. Uh, I. Um, my, my synchronous classes are, are very good. I think the professors are good at putting us in the asynchronous classes. You know, there's only a certain amount of attention you can give oh, an hour-long life shirt before you start to <laughs> oh, yeah. lose it a little bit. <laughs> um, definitely. I, that's so great that you're teaching a f- freshman class, the first-year experience. I definitely... Thank it's. You. It's a better class to take in person, I would agree with that, especially because it's a very more hands-on in-person learning. Um, but I think that's cool you joined that program. Uh, but So how many people keep their cameras on? Because I feel like a class where, all, where most of the students actually keep their cameras on is a better class versus just none. But what's your experience? Like, do you keep personally your camera on or...? So it depends. I think in, in some of my synchronous classes, and actually, this is actually an opportunity to rant about a little bit about one of our school's practices that I don't like. Go uh, for it. So some teachers, some teachers are pushing Blackboard Collaborate, oh, which God. is the online, the online uh, speaking, uh, basically their version of Zoom that our, uh, yeah, that our school really likes to push because it has breakout rooms and it has some functionality but the problem with it is that you only see four people at a time yes and everybody kind of realizes this <laughs> so and i i teach my i teach my freshman year experience class on blackboard collaborate and no one ever turns their cameras on because they know they're not getting seen anyway uh but then on webex or zoom or uh go to meeting and in a while which is like a another third party one not many people use uh, usually people turn them on because it's kind of awkward seeing just a bunch of names and then one person will do it and then a second person will do yeah. it. Yeah. Hey, one person has to start the chain. Otherwise, no exactly. one does it. Um, yeah. And it's always, it's never the professor. Like, the professor will do it and nobody will follow the professor. <laughs> the one kid will do it and everybody will follow that one kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I've definitely had 
my chemistry class, no one does it. My discussions, people tend to do it more because it's a smaller set of kids. My history class, my teacher's like, if you could just pop in, like, I really hate looking at your initials. Like, I want to see a face, remind myself that I'm talking to someone. So that's a class where I think there's four or five, we're all girls too, of us who constantly keep our camera on. I just feel so terrible because it's true. Like, teachers just stare at, like, like these initials. So they don't really know if we're grasping anything, if we're paying attention. And I think that sucks because... Like, this type of learning, so many kids are truly not learning. Um, yeah. Anything. Very in one ear and out the other. Oh, yeah. Which, it's kind of scary because I'm like, I'm going to need, you know, these, like, organic chemistry I'm taking right now. I'm like, I'm going to need this for my major, and I'm, like, not really learning much. Like, I'm I'm learning, but at the same time, I'm not fully grasping everything. And I'm like, this, this is going to suck when this is going to, like come back in this like next year and I'm gonna be like oh they're gonna be like oh remember when you learned this in Oregon Chem 1 and I'm gonna be like no absolutely not um that's why you gotta take notes <laughs> I mean oh I take notes I'm a vigorous note taker because if if I'm not taking notes I'm going to be on my phone scrolling through like Instagram or something like I, I have to take notes um, Instagram is addicting. It's it's so bad. <laughs> it is so. It's like bad. I'll like I'll be like oh, I'll just like respond to a DM. I'll just be like scrolling. scrolling. Exactly. Like you <laughs> just you pick you pick up your phone in the middle of a lecture and you're a goner. You're you're just done for. <laughs> and it's always like oh I can multitask. I can definitely I can yeah. You know, I got the notes here. I got the Instagram or the phone or something on the phone here. And then slowly the notes just like creeps down the desk. <laughs> farther and farther away exactly i like i pick up the phone like my phone and i'm like scrolling and i'm like oh i'm paying attention to what he's saying and then like five minutes later he's like all right so that was an important topic and i was like oh i was not paying attention <laughs> i hate i hate myself when i do that and they're like so Same. like they're like great question I, you know that's gonna that's gonna be something you'll see on the exam and i'm gonna be like wow kind of wish i, I paid attention versus like when it's um asynchronous I can just pause and then go back and I'm like all right great I but like live classes it's terrible I have to like shove my phone like as far as away as possible um but to to wrap this up because we did digress a little from our majors but what would you for anyone who is either undecided or is in high school currently and applying to college any advice you'd give them so I would say that uh, when you're when you're applying to college, uh, go for schools where well if you're if you're dead set on a major, research the schools and I, I did not do this well. I researched schools that were like in my price range and yeah. like in areas that I wanted to be. Yeah. But like research schools that actually like specialize in things you're good at. Mm-hmm. Because like I got very lucky that I, I ended up at a school that has like a really good education. But that wasn't, like, by design at all. <laughs> yeah. Like, eventually, eventually, I, like, looked at my options and, like, chose UConn because it had that. But also, like, the options that I gave myself because I picked schools, though, like, I just kind of, like, threw a bunch. And my counselor told me, like, oh, you should apply here. And, like, I definitely think, like, if you have something in mind, like, look for the schools that are good for you. And then also, like, 
if you don't have something in mind, look for schools that you think will fit like your personality, but also like have a bunch of, I have a couple of options that at least like look into. That's a bad spot. That's interesting. I've never heard of someone say, choose a school that fit in your personality. <laughs> um, there definitely are schools that like do not fit. Oh, yeah, no, I've def- I think I went to a school in New Hampshire, and it was a small school, and I feel like I stood in the center, and I could see everything from that center, and I was like, this is not the school for me, um, uh, but yeah, I agree that definitely, so I did not research, I chose UConn purely because it gave the best scholarship, and also it was the cheapest, being in-state, obviously, is very cheap, um, but my dream school was actually um, UMass Amherst, because not only does it have a great genetics program, but, um, I just really badly wanted to leave home and go out of state to, because I really wanted to get out of my comfort zone, but UConn actually, surprisingly, has let me do that, even though I am, I live about an hour out from UConn, so I'm pretty close to UConn, but even when you're in state and you're close by home, you, you think, oh, like, I'm so close to home, like, how am I gonna get these experiences but like you truly do like I feel like UConn I've definitely gotten out of my comfort zone it it gives me many options to you know do new things try new things um I got to meet great new friends so that's a plus um but yeah definitely research I think is important um and if you have to choose a school that's the cheaper option like you have to choose schools that aren't all like expensive like choose schools in many many price ranges so when it comes down to the actual cost and you're thinking about the cost you can look at the scholarships and like you have more options within a specific range um to choose from but definitely good luck to high schoolers it's okay to not know what you're doing I think it's the important thing I feel like personally I think that we put too much pressure in high school that you need to know what you're doing for the rest of your life. Otherwise, like, you're, like, doomed. Like, people are like, if you don't know what you're doing the minute you step into college, like, you're going to waste your freshman year, you're going to waste money, and then you're not going to be able to, you're going to be behind. And I personally disagree with that. I think if a college has a good undecided program, you it's an easy transition, A, to if when you do choose your major, and B, you have up until your sophomore, the ending of your sophomore year to decide. And you won't be behind because if you have an idea like broad range after your freshman year, they'll make you choose more classes. I think advisors in the undecided program are really helpful where they make sure you choose classes where if you do decide, you're not behind. Um, So, again, I think you don't need to know what you're doing. And it's totally okay to not know what you're doing. I mean, even currently... I mean, I have a major, but, like, I'm still up in the air of what profession I want to do. Like, that could change any minute. I feel like it's... And that's totally fine. Yeah, I feel like it's important to have, like, fluidity in your life where you might think, like, the people who plan out their life up till, like, the year they want to get married, I'm like, how? <laughs> like, I'm all about, like, fluidity where I'm like, yeah, I know my major. Um, obviously, sometimes I'm like... What if what if I was this major instead? It's really when when you have to take so many chemistry classes and you realize you did it to yourself because you're a science major and now you're really rethinking everything and you're like, damn, I should have just chosen like chosen an easier one. <laughs> um, but I still love it at the end of the day. But I think it's 
that's important. Just love what you want to do. So and the people that the people that like plan rigid lives for themselves, like all you're doing is setting yourself up for like if, if there's one little kink in that, one little failure, then it all falls apart. Yeah, yeah. If you're fluid. If you're fluid with your schedule and you're fluid with your plan, then that you just kind of you know, okay, we'll work that in. We'll work that in. Exactly. I, that's really the important thing is be fluid. You might change your mind, but like that's all about, um, yeah, it's important to love what you do, be fluid. And if you change your mind, that's okay. Even if you change your mind junior year, just don't do something you hate because you will hate it for obviously the rest of your life and then you'll regret it. So do something you love is definitely important. Um, so thank you for joining me today, Sam. Thanks for having me. And you actually have a pa- a podcast yourself if you want to tell them about it. Oh, sure. So yeah, so I, for the last couple of months, have been running uh, with my co-host, uh, Katie Spinato. We're all uh, UConn students in the same year. Uh, a podcast called History in Today, where we talk about uh, one historical event or one uh, current issue topic, uh, and we kind of weave them together. So this season we've been doing uh, guests, we've been doing guests who talk about one specific topic that's important to them. Uh, before that we did more focused uh, event-based episodes. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a fun time. It's a little bit, it's a little bit on the long, on the long side because we tend to, tend to go on a lot of tangents, but it's fun. It's really fun. I, uh, please check it out. Uh, also on Anchor. Yeah, that's great. So definitely check out Sam if you're interested and make sure to follow and share this podcast. While you're at it, go follow me on Instagram at Growing Up Still Pod. Do you want to give your Instagram handle for? Uh, sure. Um, yeah, so my Instagram handle, I'll do the, the podcast handle, is uh, his, at History and Today Pod. So. Yeah. So make sure to also go follow his podcast Instagram. And if you want to DM me questions you'd want me to answer or give advice on in future episodes, make sure to do that. Thanks for listening. Bye, guys.